When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 542 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dave Hilton, and today I woke up and I thought my cold had turned a corner. Maybe you're hearing me a little bit and you're realizing maybe that's not the case. I also thought maybe Barca had turned a corner too, but unfortunately the results were mixed for both. I'm still not 100%, you hear it in my voice, but I'm definitely feeling a ton better from last week, so I appreciate everybody and their kind messages, and uh, yeah, I should be fine in the coming days. And Barcelona did get the result, even if they played terrible for the first 45 minutes. And as I promised for the new year, before we jump into the five headlines, I have to remind you, beginning with a shout out for new club legend Patreon, Fernando MCT, that I do have a Patreon to help support the show and help me keep making YouTube videos and podcasts and all the other stuff, as well as the merch store with t-shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, a bunch of other stuff too. And as I said, in the new year, I do want to do a few more giveaways and get a little more involved in the community in that way again. And of course, subscribing or a good podcast rating, those are the easiest ways to help the show. All right, now for the five headlines on why you came here. Barcelona's 2-1 win over Las Palmas. Headline one is Barca's connections were Barca's struggles. Now, I can't fault anybody. I haven't seen every Las Palmas game. I've tried to watch them between five and eight times or so. We'll say in totality of a match this season. So I have seen some Joan Araujo. I also watched him with the Galaxy for a long time. So I've been pretty happy with what I've seen from him this season. But I think you always do want to see the low needs against a team that he would be coming back to. But unfortunately, well, maybe I guess fortunately for Barcelona today, no Joan Araujo due to the fear clause that you can't play against your parent club on loan. 
It's not a guarantee clause in every single contract, but some clubs do fight for it, and we've seen Barcelona and Real Madrid more than any others. They do fight for that fear clause. However, Las Palmas did have former Barcelona players starting, including Mika Marmol. At least he played with Barca B and not really the first team, but Munir El Haddadi, of course, from way back when this podcast began, and Sandra Ramirez, and then, of course, Garcia Pimienta, who was with the club for many years and then was let go in 2021. Mark Cardona, who also had played with Barca B, came in off the bench later in the second half. On the other side, there was no Pedri, so that meant no homecoming back to Las Palmas for Pedri, which I also think stinks. Again, those moments are cool. And as I do tell the story, I did get a chance to meet his dad last year, and that was super cool, and he was super nice. So I'm always rooting for Senor Gonzalez and Pedri's dad and his whole family. And, you know, it was interesting to hear him do that, any of that being Pedri, this last week with the famous Twitch streamer, Ibis, and some of the comments he was making, you could tell that Pedri pushing back, you know, don't accuse me of living a certain lifestyle that I don't. And you could even tell within five, 10 minutes of meeting his family that it is just a hands-on family that gives Pedri all the things he needs to be a good quality professional. With Barcelona going to Las Palmas, not to say that they should have been overconfident going in, but they had not lost in Las Palmas since 1986. So there should have been a little bit of confidence, but as you know, history and those kind of records are always meant to be broken. They're true until they're no longer true and the record resets. For these two teams coming in, though, I was expecting a plodding slow game because these are two teams that neither really finished their chances. Las Palmas is top half of the table because they've only conceded 17, second best in the division behind Real Madrid at this point in the season. That's the good news. Their problem is that they've only scored 16, which is third worst in the division, and why they probably aren't seventh or eighth in the division. And jumping into this, I think I saw both parts of Las Palmas, right? The part of them that felt top half in the table and the part of them that feels bottom half of the table. They were certainly better than Barcelona in the first half and then Barcelona better in the second half. And I think that's a good foray into really jumping into this game. Headline two is not the same high line. We're, we're kind of talking about tactics with this one big theme today about a discussion of high lines. Because in speaking about Las Palmas going in, I have tried to watch them enough time to understand who they are against multiple opponents. Unless it's Alaves who really have consistently played the same I need a pillow and a nice warm blanket kind of way all season, as in not comfortable, but I need to take a nap when Alaves is playing. Other than them, it seems like most teams do curtail their lineups and some of their tactics based on the opposition. So for Las Palmas' team, they're really defensively sound in a way that if you're not watching them, you're saying, well, Garcia Pimienta came from Barcelona, so you expect him to be the manager of a team that plays like Girona. But Girona and Las Palmas don't play the same way at all. Garcia Pimienta's team oscillate between a four at the back and a five at the back, depending on the opposition and the things that are happening in the game. And they do attempt, as you saw in that first half, to have longer, more sustained time of possession and build up through the middle. They have a lot of confidence in their center backs, especially Mika Marmol, to make those line-breaking passes. They trust their deep-lying playmakers slash defensive midfielders to stay close to each other and work through passing sequences. We'll say inside to outside, which you do see a lot in those possession-heavy teams. And talking about how Xavi interpreted what he knew that Los Palos was going to do, the only question I really have is, did Xavi get it right and his players didn't execute, or am I giving too much credit to Xavi on the jump? It looked like Xavi did have the right idea from what I'd seen multiple teams do against Los Palmas, and the idea being that Balde and Cancelo would both be stretching out when they would, that being Los Palmas, settle into five at the back, dropping Ferran Torres then inside and creating a 2-3-6, like we've seen when Xavi knows he'll have a bit of possession in the game. And the other team doesn't necessarily have the strength on the wings to beat you on the counter. And as long as you keep a double pivot of De Jong and Gundogan in the center of the field, you'd feel like your rest defense is in a good spot to push, again, more bodies forward in that six across, creating a numerical advantage 
if LaPalmas is going to settle in to a low block. But if Xavi did give the proper instructions in the first half, clearly the players did not execute. Balde, it's the first name I'll say because there was good and bad from him. I'll, I'll bring up probably the better later. But in the first half especially, those decisions were really late. Like he was getting into the space. He was finding space. He's really good at that, of course. He's just a f- terrific athlete, a lot of speed, and also defensively very sound. For someone who gets as forward as much as he does, very rarely does the opposition get in behind him and punish him for getting forward. But early on in the game, he missed a leading ball for Lewandowski, almost the first minute on a counter where he cut inside on his dribble and got in good position, but nothing comes to it. And then in the 10th minute, the game kind of shifted in a negative way when Cancelo goes off, lessening the potential of seeing younger players because you lost an early sub. But Christensen came on for him, moving Kune to the right, and that switched the shape entirely in the game. So even though I just said it, it was a 2-3-6 that Xavi wanted to attack with, then once Christensen came on, for Cancelo, and you no longer had a right back getting forward, now Barcelona is in a 3-2-4-1 in possession. So that's a lot less runs in behind, not only in theory, but in practice as well. It's exactly what Las Palmas would have wanted at that junction game. Of course, not an injury, but to have Barcelona have to go away from what their game plan was. It also looked like Rafinha might have picked up something in that first half, but he stayed out there, so clearly shook it off. And before too long, scored in the 13th minute, the 1-0 for Las Palmas. It was terrible defending by Barcelona here. It looked like Barca were going to defend deeper and more narrow, which is interesting because it's a different look from Barcelona, and they've been so susceptible on that high line. And that's why I named this headline not the same high line, because it wasn't. These two teams were playing high lines at different times with different success. The team that was struggling was the one who was doing a poor job on the high line, and that's as simple as it may be. But it did look like Barca were going to defend deeper and more narrow and not necessarily go with a high line, at least to start the game. Because again, they were being a bit more careful in that 2-3-6. Because even in that 2-3-6, the five behind the first line of six runners is in a bit more defensive shape together. And then you kind of defend as a unit and drop in deeper and more narrow, as I mentioned, because the other team isn't necessarily punish you on the wings. But the pass out to Sandro with Balde stuck in the middle, that changed all the rotations. I don't know if Balde would just slow to his rotation, but then Christensen had Munir onside with the pass going out to Sandro, and then Munir kept going, and Christensen wasn't ready for that sprint, was stuck between the man and the ball, and Araujo, meanwhile, was still behind Munir as De Jong had taken the place of Balde and was trying to catch up to Sandro. Inaki Pena was also criticized for not coming off his line quicker, and it's just another indictment that Barcelona, is it Ter Stegen's voice? I mean, what is it that's missing? Barcelona is not comfortable with that offside trap. Just too many defensive breakdowns that I mentioned. I don't know who it is. Balde, Araujo, Christensen, Inaki Pena. All four of them have some kind of culpability in this goal that's created by the ghost of the past in Munir and Sandro. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Piquet and Puyol or Piquet and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. 
So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And it is another instance of Barcelona going down to the opponent again this season in the first half. Not great from Barcelona. They have a good mentality to come back in these games. But you know, over the course of a long league season, if you go down too many times, you just can't make up the extra distance in those points. Come the 20th minute, things were not going Barcelona's way. They picked up yellows for Sergio Roberto and Xavi for descent after not getting a card against Las Palmas on a tackle on Sergio Roberto. Not sure if it was the yellow for descent after the no call or for simulation. Have to see the referee's report. Though I'm also not sure, can simulation only be given or is it usually only given a yellow in the box? Again, these are rules that I should probably just look up. But either way, that's a transition of a negative to Sergio Berto into giving a compliment to Sergio Berto. I thought he was the best player for Barcelona in the first half. I really liked him playing underneath Lewandowski and trying to run him behind. It was odd, too, that we heard that Roberto was likely going to start this match like two or three days ago which is a weird slipping of information. I mean, I guess your options truly were Fermi Lopez, Oro Romeo, and Roberto, and Roberto had a brace in the last game, so it's not like that crazy. But I also think between Oro Romeo, Fermi Lopez, and Sergio Roberto, I did think Roberto was the right pick here, while Fermi Lopez is, I want to say he's pound for pound, a better goal scorer. At least he has better instincts on when and how to shoot from distance. That being Fermi Lopez, Sergio Roberto and those runs in behind, that is how you attack a five at the back, or what is a really defensively sound team, even when they're playing at four, like Las Palmas. Roberto was the man for the hour of that, and I thought he was really good. It was also the reason for him to start so that you could have Gundogan and De Jong as more of a double pivot. Again, that's a strategy based on the opponent, which I always like to see managers do, kind of, again, not necessarily change your identity for every opponent, but give respect to your opponent 
and use the tools you have at your disposal to try to counteract what they do well. But it was too bad that they didn't play out that way, as in Barcelona playing well with the right ideas, and Barcelona was down one nothing at the half. I will say, too, without an actual pivot, because that's not what Gundogan is, it takes him a moment to set up his diagonals and release those balls in a way that a natural pivot like a Rodri, but again, Busquets, Rodri, when you're talking about the guys who deliver 80% of the time, just those grade A-plus diagonal balls in either direction and sometimes with either foot from Busquets, I think Kool-Aid's and myself especially, I have a hard time creating proper expectations of a pivot in terms of passing. I'm not talking about replicating Busquets. I'm just talking about long diagonal balls. And you do see other teams do it. Alex Garcia with Girona this season has been great with it. Of course, Tony Cruz, one of the all-timers at, at that kind of ball. And he wasn't necessarily a natural pivot either. But if you're going to play a team who plays a low block like this, De Young does it sometimes, but it doesn't come natural to him either. And in this kind of situation, you'd want De Young being able to carry the ball without unbalancing everything. And if that window is open for De Young to play a ball long and in behind, he does that too. And we saw that last season, this team was doing well with Busquets and De Young. And even if the team wasn't getting results all around, those two and moments were clicking and you saw that happening. At the beginning of this season too, when Romeo was next to him and Romeo before he fell off a cliff completely, De Young felt more comfortable there. And I think this is the kind of game that you see the limitations of that, where De Young was good. He was definitely a net positive, one of the best players on the field for either team on the evening, but still not getting the best out of him. Then the rest of that first half, let's pick up the pace a little bit because that's kind of the negative stuff. Barcelona obviously turned a corner in the second half. So ending out the first half of stuff, 28th minute, nervy moments. There was a failure to catch a long shot from Sandro, forced a save to the lower right of Pena's goal. Pena not his best day. Then came for Barcelona the frustration and the balls over the top as they were trailing. The big diagonals to anybody wanting to make the run. There were five times Barcelona were offside in the first half. Zero for Las Palmas, but both teams are playing a high line. And as I said, not all lines are created equal, and Barcelona were not really figuring it out. Las Palmas looks much more comfortable playing their high line. Christensen in the 40th minute tried to play Munir onside, but the ball still got through to him. But Young and Christensen were able to catch him. Again, the high line continues to be more trouble than it's worth to me at this point. It seems like the best of Barca's chances come on the counter. But I also don't want to have an argument about the very identity of Barca DNA and as many cliches as you want to use about Barcelona and all that. So I don't want to have those arguments. So I guess I'll be quiet when I say that, yeah, it seems like Barcelona's chances and the way that this team is constructed with personnel, they want to play a certain way, but you're not getting a sum of your parts. You're getting these individual performances and you're not getting the best of as many plays as you possibly can with it. Headline three, ugly Barca goal. As I said, zero shots on target for Barca in the first half. And for those who remember a player nicknamed La Pulga playing against Las Palmas, putting up a ton of goals. I mean, Messi, there were days. I mean, yes, they were a yo-yo club, we'll say, for the Liga while Messi played against them in those few years. But Messi destroyed Las Palmas on a few occasions. And it just felt like, yes, Garcia Pimienta is a good manager, as is Michelle. There's a lot of these managers in the Liga that are no longer afraid of Barcelona. And those personalities have been taken on by their teams. These teams are not afraid to play against Barcelona. The only nerve that they feel, the same nerves they feel against Villarreal or Athletic Club or whoever, when the team who will say probably has superior talent on paper gets an equalizing goal and then is fighting harder to come back in the second half. That's the only time you feel the fear because in the first half, when Las Palmas had that goal, there was no fear. And I don't think there's a team in the Liga anymore that fears Barcelona once the non-Barca team has taken the lead. But Las Palmas got a little bit nervy themselves in the second half. Barcelona capitalized. Zero shots on target for them. And in the 55th minute, the breakthrough came. It was an ugly goal, lucky goal, whatever you want to call it. Las Palmas were dealing with some pressure, and they failed to make their clearances. 
simple stuff. But what wasn't simple was that one of those clearances goes off the face of Lewandowski in a fault in Sergio Roberto, who did well to bring it down and push it over to Torres. Torres didn't have the time to wind up and think about it or anything. This is just a striker's instinct. And he let it go low and with as much power as he could. And Valles, I think he got a little bit on it, but couldn't get enough on it to push it wide. So that's all you need. Doesn't matter how it comes. And it's frustrating too, because Lewandowski gets the MLS assist or the hockey assist uh, off his face, as Roberto on the assist. But it was frustrating in the second half to see that poor body language from Robert Lewandowski too. You can tell. I know that he's an older player. He's experienced. He's a veteran. But he clearly has never been in this kind of atmosphere with that kind of media. And there's just an anger to him, a frustration. You see it in his poor body language. Really frustrating. Barcelona, unfortunately for him, though, were a bit better. Continued to move the ball a bit better, a little side to side after the goal, forcing Los Palmas to defend more in their box. And after they got their goal, that being Barcelona, they could have also, you know, let Los Palmas back into the game. But they didn't do that. And that was a good thing. And then Xavi also didn't rest on his laurels. He could have just had... Lewandowski and Rafinha, hey, it's our experienced veteran guys because it was a pretty veteran starting 11. Just throw Oro Romeo on there and say, hey, our veterans, these are the ones who are going to win us trophies this season. But he didn't do that. 72nd minute, he still made changes. Jao Felix and Lamine Namal on for Lewandowski and Rafinha. Torres shifted to the center with Jao Felix playing off of his shoulder, which is good to see. And then Lamine Namal, of course, on the right wing. It wasn't all Barcelona, though. Mika Marmol missed the 76-minute header against Araujo, and Marmol was just wide from the cross in from the corner. That should have been the 2-1 in favor of Las Palmas, but didn't happen. And when I say momentum here, I mean they were just throwing more things offside and stuff in behind, and there were more final passes from Balde that just weren't up to snuff. So more frustration, but also a bit of belief that Barcelona, hey, all right, even if we have to throw everything against the wall, we didn't play our best today. Let's try to get those three points. Headline four, Vitor Roque debut, coinciding with those three points, the way I want to remember this match and the way I hope to remember this match was 78th minute, Fermi Lopez and Vitor Roque on for Roberto and Torres. So this is the Barcelona debut for Vitor Roque after just meeting his teammates and just showing up and a credit to Rafinha for really just taking him under his wing. Looks like he's driving him to and from training because he's staying with him before he gets himself settled and all that stuff. I mean, he's still just a kid. He's a teenager. So good on Rafinha for kind of bringing him into everything. And for as, they'll say, shy and smiley and all that stuff that he might be off the field, on the field, you could see why he's nicknamed Tiglino. The fight from the opening whistle, this is how to get Kool-Aid to enjoy your time, no matter what you do with the club. First touch, maybe did it come on the press, or maybe he didn't even get a touch of the ball and just smacked into the goalkeeper, but he touched something, he touched somebody, and that's what Kool-Aid's want to see. The medium all got a yellow a moment later. So again, a little bit of fight, a little bit of energy from the teenagers, never a bad thing. And for the rest of Vitor Roque's debut, we'll go back to the penalty. But to talk about Vitor Roque's debut, Fellas did give him an opportunity to score in the 97th minute. Didn't happen. Maybe a bit of nerves. He also made, you know, the touch wasn't great. Wasn't the worst thing. But everyone was kind of pushing. And I also feel like his first goal might come in the Spanish Super Cup, but it also might come at home, which actually won't be for a few more weeks. So I am hoping that Vitor Roque, whether it's in the Copa del Rey or Spanish Super Cup, actually scores his first goal away from home. And then Kulis can celebrate him when he gets back. There was another, right after that moment, Las Palmas turnover with players to his left and right that he could have put a pass on. I would have liked to see the pass, but he really just wanted to open up his scoring ledger at Barcelona. So as frustrated, I think it might have been Jao Felix and Fermin Lopez who were to his left and right. And they threw their hands up and said, hey, I was wide open. And yeah, they probably had an easier angle. But Vitor Roque also had some kind of an angle if he got better contact on it. And then we're not talking about this and it winds up being a magical day for him. So I think everyone can forgive him for that. While it was about an 18-minute debut, it was a lot of exciting working hard from Vita Roque. For me, the silver lining, too, is if he plays well, 
as I said, for Vitor Roque, I have no expectations. But if he plays well, that can quiet the political implications of taking off Lewandowski by playing Vitor Roque for the last 10 to 15 minutes of a bunch of games. It's almost the same thing of what Lamine Mall has become behind Rafinha. I mean, there was moments when Rafinha was really struggling, Lamine Mall was starting. But now Lamine Mall has played in every match this season, but he comes off the bench. And that's what his role is. And for Lewandowski, sure, you're the guaranteed starter. Great. But are you guaranteed 90 full minutes at the age of 35? Well, he shouldn't be guaranteed 90 full minutes and be the one who gets to say whether he comes on or off the field. If something isn't working with him, as it wasn't working today, then Rita Roque, you also have to develop him. And I think that's a good argument if he's earning those minutes, not just getting those, but earning those minutes, that you give him 10 to 15 a game. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Headline five is Las Palmas gives it away. Jao Felix, a little too early on some of his runs, but kept checking back. He worked hard, and another little mini performance that sums up Jao Felix. He worked really hard. Good things happen when you make your own luck by working hard. But you could also see the frustration from him, all those histrionics with no end product. And these star players for Barcelona, they just need a reminder. You can shut everybody up by making something happen if you're going to complain so much. Luis Suarez constantly complained, constantly complained every second of every match. But that dude made things happen. Third all-time scorer in Barcelona history. Yeah, he got to play with Messi and all that stuff, but he bickered at Messi and he complained and yelled at everybody, all the managers, whatever. But he also put in goals in the back of the net. And not to say that you earn a right to complain, but yeah, it seems like if you're a forward, the more production that you create and the more you get to complain. But even with the complaining, I think that was the more negative part of Jao Felix's little showing here because the good stuff he did, as I said, was the running and finding space for a Las Palmas team that was also opening up spaces. And Jao Felix, credit to him, created that 91st minute penalty, which obviously not to the 93rd, but yes, in the 91st minute, made a curling run to receive the ball. Good on him on Vita Roque to create space for one another almost instantly. And then there was some power on the shot too, and Gundogan was pushed by Daly Sinkraven for both the red card and the penalty. I think Las Palmas has a little bit of a right to complain. I get it. Gundogan did throw himself at the ball in a way that he didn't do two weeks ago, which is kind of what Kool-Aid's want to see. The question really that Las Palmas, I think, is asking is, would he have reached it if he hadn't kind of thrown himself to the ground? And I think VAR was afraid to overturn it because clearly there was contact. But for Gundogan's sell job, that was kind of what brought it into question. The contact from Sinkraven wasn't in question. And I think that's why VAR then said, well, we can't really prove that he didn't have any play on it because the ball was close enough to believe that if nobody had touched him or if he wasn't pushed in the back or let's say that Gundogan kind of held his ground and Sinkraven was just behind him and he had the right position, that Gundogan does jump up and is the one who directs that into the net. So as I said, Los Palmas, I think they have an argument, but I also understand the VAR, they just they didn't have enough to overturn that and there was enough contact 
to support their decision of the penalty. Which, ball don't lie, I guess here, 2-1, 93rd minute, Gundogan coolly finished it. Another late winner for Barcelona that they kind of deserved and kind of didn't deserve. And as you heard me say many, many, many times, there are matches where I feel like you say, all right, you get the three points and you get out of there. And this is one of those examples, unlike against Alaves, who is a team that I, I just don't think are good enough. Los Palmas have had good matches this year. They've played well. I mean, just go back to their game against Real Madrid. They have given the Giants in the Liga a good fight. And even if results haven't always gone their way, including this one, Los Palmas are a top half of the Liga team, and they've been good. So you go to their place, you get the three points. Not say you don't care how it happens, but if anything, I'm more optimistic to say, all right, the last 45 minutes, and you've came back, another comeback, you made it work. So yeah, it's a positive in a match. But as we know, the negative is that Barcelona have gone another match where it seems like no problems are fixed. So yeah, that's the big negative. Of course, we carry through that. I guess fortunately or unfortunately, we're going to have to spend the rest of the season trying to figure out how to fix some problems. Hopefully, you add Vita Roque to that, and he can solve not any big problems, but one or two of the little mini problems. So as I continue to try to solve problems for Barcelona, again, you know where to find me, Patreon, Twitter, Instagram, closed Facebook group, Discord, as well as the YouTube channel, and the merch store is how you support the show as well. But most importantly, thanks so much for listening to another five headlines and the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Support the Barcelona. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.